I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody, and she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's amazingfreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum. And you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. And I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her. Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up, and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff, and that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to – you want to take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's it's fair – uh, to see. And so therefore you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. 
Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea, and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. Buy that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter. And it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that. But that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking, and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then, boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know. And so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone, and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemail. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 304, Robin Johnson. It will blow your mind at how long ago it's been since I've had Robin Johnson on my show. It blew my mind. I absolutely, because I feel like I see her everywhere because she's so involved. She touches so many people. Her tentacles go long and deep and she is involved in so many different things. The positivity that she brings this episode, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm literally pumped as I sit here because I'm thinking I could do more things. I could be much more productive and very inspiring. Um, I tell her the story, and this is not blowing smoke. This is the truth. This past weekend, I was with a bunch of sellers, and her name came up in three different groups on the consistency and the value that she continues to add. And yet, she's able to charge for those services because of that. And I think that that's a very rewarding thing. That's the best applause uh, out there um, getting rewarded financially for the hard work that you do because it's valuable. And so there's more to the story. Let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very, very, three varies excited to have back a guest who I cannot believe it's been years since she's been on. It blows my mind that this was February 11th of 2015, Robin Johnson. Robin, can you believe it? I cannot believe it. It feels like it was just the other day and, you know, so much has changed. And, you know, I think that, you know, when, you know, you have a business that's growing, it's, it's kind of like a child, you know, where the, where the moments seem long, but the, the real, the time seems so short. It just seems like I started yesterday, but also like I've been doing this forever. Yeah, in some ways you have been doing it because it is dog years, you know, three years in this world. I mean, just think about in the last, well, we're in May. Think of how much has changed this year, 2018, and then backtrack it all the way to 2015. There, there have probably been seriously, I don't know, 50 to 60 serious changes on the Amazon platform. Is that fair? At least, you know, and, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm glad I got started when I did because, you know, now it's so much harder than it is. And now it was, you know, but in reality, 
whenever you started, that's what you know and what you breathe. And yes, there are some things that are different than they were, you know, five, seven years ago, even a year ago, even six months ago. Um, But there, you know, the fundamentals of Amazon and the growth of Amazon, we're still in its infancy and there's still so much opportunity and so much room to play. It's, it's, I love getting to kind of work in this industry where, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, getting to watch a, a teenager become a young adult, you know, that you get to see this identity being informed and getting to be a part of it. It's, it's, you know, something I never would have pictured myself doing, but I can't really imagine doing anything else now. How about this? I, when, when something new comes out on Amazon or new changes or whatever, they generally don't surprise me. And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, it's not like I'm in the know, but I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You could see that kind of as a natural thing. At least that's been it like that for a while for me. How about you? Yeah. You know, I think that if you understand the culture on Amazon. So if, if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't read, you know, Google the 14 leadership principles of Amazon, um, they, if you've read those, you understand the, the culture of the company. And then you also understand you're watching for signals, like things that they're saying, well, we're having a storage crisis. Oh, we're going to have to, you know, we're, we're seeing that this policy is trying to drive a certain result. I think sometimes people internalize it and take it personally. And, you know, Amazon's out to get them. You know, Amazon has said that third-party sellers are one of their, you know, their pillars of their business. They want to help third-party sellers succeed. But, you know, the way that a lot of us sell isn't a use case that they completely understand. So when they're making these policies, they're making it with the best interest of the business because we have to make sure that we're protecting the customer experience, protecting the brand of Amazon as they're moving forward because that's how we keep the platform viable and alive and vibrant. But, you know, they're they're going to be making these policies for who they imagine is the biggest sellers. They're, they're, you know, their target use case of sellers, which for the most part are wholesale, are brands, are, you know, manufacturers. And so if you're doing another kind of, you know, of, of sourcing, like if you're doing, you know, you're doing used books, you're doing RA, you're doing OA, you know, then sometimes those policies will feel like they're directed at you. But it's really that, you know, that your policy, that, that policy just kind of caught you in the crossfire. Yeah, it's not, they're not making a decision with you in mind in that other scenario, those those other models. They're making a decision for the, and it's not a big seller versus small seller. It's a type of seller. I think that was a good way you described it. I think that that's a very smart way to look at it. Um, so when you see these changes, do you know your email's going to get crazy, your phone's going to ring, because you can see you still have a group of people that are trying to transition? Yeah, you know, um, when back what was it year it was two years ago when they put, put first put those brand restrictions out when I was taking calls you know at two in the morning from coaching clients um, because they were really really worried um, so I know that I'm going to get a lot of messages I know that I'm going to get a lot of Facebook messages and by the way if I ever don't respond to a message from somebody it's always that I just have ADD and I, I marked it as red and didn't reply back I I pretty much always try to reply but you know, we know, you know, when the changes happen and they can happen so fast on Amazon, people can feel like the rug was taken out from underneath them. So, you know, it, it does, you know, I do spend a little bit of time going through that and then trying to help, you know, sellers walk through that because we have a lot of, you know, people who will come and do VIP sessions where we'll work with them, you know, for two days. And, you know, so they might call six months later and say, this new policy has kind of changed our plan. How do we work that out? Um, and, you know, it's important that, you know, that we work together as a community some of, to really kind of figure out how to navigate these changes. Hmm. One of the things you've been now for several years is a coach. You've been coaching people. Um, how different are the sellers today versus three years ago? You know, I think that there's... I think that sellers are a lot more serious and business oriented. Hmm. I think that, uh, you know, before there were 
there, I mean, and there still are a lot of people that sell on Amazon as a hobby. Um, but I think there's a lot more people that are coming in that are looking at this as a real viable long-term business or the stepping stone to a real viable long-term business. Um, we're talking about things that, you know, would have been considered boring years ago. But people say, you know, if I want to really succeed on Amazon, I'm going to have to be a more sophisticated seller. You know, just going to Toys R Us in, anymore, it, it, it might not be enough. Now, for some, you know, obviously because Toys R Us is gone, you know, but there is, you know, the sellers are getting more sophisticated. They're starting to care more about their reports. They're starting to realize that they need books in order to, you know, be, you know, if you're selling $10,000 a month and you don't have books, then how can you make good business decisions? You mean financial books? Yeah. Yeah, or yeah, financial books. And mm -hmm. then, you know, like looking at their reports. So I think that the sellers overall have become more sophisticated. And the even the hobby sellers are saying, you know, I want to make sure that I'm really focusing on the profit. Um, and I think that, you know, where, you know, we see more screenshots than ever before of, you know, multi-million dollar sellers. But I also think that a lot of small sellers have started to realize that maybe, you know, not everybody needs to sell the same business model and not everybody needs to sell at the same business volume. Right. You want to do what's right for the lifestyle that you want, right? Which is way different than what I might want. Well, you're a good example. You're a, a seller, but you also have a coaching business. So how do you balance the two? And by the way, you've got a husband and a couple of kids that might want a little bit of attention, right? They want Robin time too. So how do you level all that out? And that's different than somebody who wants to be a $20 million CEO, right? And that's, that's the beauty of this though. Yeah, I had a client who is in her 60s and she was, you know, she knows some very, she works with a lot of young sellers. Um, and so, you know, we were talking and, you know, she's like, well, you know, I, I just feel like I can't keep up with them. There's something wrong with me. I can't learn the things as fast as I want to learn them. Um, and, you know, she's in this local meetup group with a couple of them. And I, you know, reminded her that, you know, some of these guys are in their, you know, their you know, late twenties and single, that's different than being married sure. in 60, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, so, you know, and so that, you know, that, that, you know, we also had another uh, client that was really upset because he didn't hit his goal of a half million in sales. Um, and he, he was, I mean, he was so close. He really should have just given it to himself because he, he ended up at 4,900 and 4,096,000. Um, but you know, when we went back and talked about it, I was like, so you didn't hit that goal, but let's really think about this. You have twin three months old or three months old at the, at the, at the end of the year. So I was like, would you have given up any more, any time with those twins to be able to stay at home and be there for every moment so that you could have passed that 500,000 mark? And he said, no. And that, you know, so we have to remember that, you know, we have to temper our goals with making sure that our goals are taking us to where we ultimately want to go. You know, as we're building these things that we're looking, you know, our dreams and our aspirations, I think it's really important for us to look at the end in mind and say, you know, if I want to live on the beach in Florida and I want to be able to travel, then, you know, that I need to bring home 350000 a year. That would be my dream, pipe dream kind of life. Life, this is what I really want, then, you know, what do I need to do in order to get my business to yield 350000 Well, and that's a good point. So how do you how do you suggest they do that? I mean, is it the one, one bite at a time? Um, does it start with a plan? You know, I think it starts with, I think the first thing is, you know, making sure that you have a destination set. Nobody would ever land in an airport when they come to a conference and just drive hoping that they hit the conference or, well, I heard it was in Denver, so I'm going <laughs> to well, head this way. Men, yeah. well, men might, you know, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. But, yeah, but you know, they, they, they might at least, you know, a little look bit. at a map previously, right? And right. They're going to have the address or know the name of the hotel, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you're just building your business... And you're, you're just, because you, the thing about building a business is it's kind of like building a house. You can always add more rooms. Mm. You can always increase the footprint. You can always add other things. But there's a point where you have to say, you know, the, the scaffolding is complete. And now we're going to focus on the things that make the house, that home, the, 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 the things that make that house a home. Oh, love so, it. you know, we're going to put those finishing things in like the, you know, the crown molding and the comfortable chairs and all of those things in. So you need to know where you want to grow to. 
And so knowing those destinations and writing it out, and I know it sounds silly, but writing it out as if it already happened. So it's May 10th, uh, 2022, and I'm living in a five-bedroom, three-bathroom house in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have a, you know, we have a pool. My kids go to private school. You know, we have, we have a, a, you know, a car that's less than four years old. You know, we get to socialize and go ballroom dancing. Really specific what you want, and how you would know that you got there. Right. Mm-hmm. At my house would be paid off. I'd have less than ten thousand dollars in debt. I'd have less than zero. I'd have zero dollars in debt, whatever it is for you. And then you say, OK, so imagining it already happened in the future, then what would I have had to have accomplished when I look back? I'm pretending it already did. What did I have done by 2020? All right. So then you're going to write out what you would have done and then you're going to imagine it's, 2020. So it's like a milestone is what you're describing. Yeah. So you want to, but if you try to work forward, all you're going to see is, you know, to try to say, you know, if you're earning, you know, 50,000 a year now to say, well, I want to earn 300,000 sounds ridiculous. And it just sounds, it sounds silly. And, you know, so you're, all you're going to see is the obstacle obstacles. You're going to see, oh, well, you know, how would I have the money for the inventory and how would I have this and how would I would have that? When you start assuming that you already completed it, it allows you to really imagine with a different kind of part of the brain. And then, you know, the, and I'm not saying that from like a, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, somebody that has a degree in biology or anything like that. I'm just telling you from my experience, just, you know, to be for, you know, for clarity's sake. But what I would also say is that, you know, once you work with that way back, you know, work your way back, it allows you to imagine the possibilities. And once you work all the way back, it gives you a clear pathway. Because a lot of times when you're working forward, we, we pull back because we want to say, well, what if it doesn't work? So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stop short just a little bit just in case it doesn't work out. Um, and if you're not playing full out in your business, you're not giving it everything that you have. Now, I'm not saying every minute you have, but the moments that you're working, you're giving it your full attention. You're you're giving it your best effort. Then what's stopping you? Because if you're going to fail, let's fail fast so that you can get back to hanging out with your kids or you can start something new. Maybe this isn't for you. You'll find something else. But don't prolong the things by, by playing halfway. You know, So by having those goals, it helps you to really play full throttle because you can see the clear possibilities. So it allows me to be able to say, you know what, I know I'm going to fail 400 times, but I also know exactly where I'm going. And so as long as I keep getting up. I will get there eventually. So when you're describing these milestones, so you're working your way backwards, you, you have a plan, that master plan, I like to call it a garden. I always think of a garden, right? Your house is a perfect analogy. I mean, it just makes it so visual. So you build that plan at the end. You know what it's going to look like, the end game. And then you build milestones backwards. Do you build milestones? So in that case, it was a four-year period of time. Are you saying maybe an annual or are you monthly? I mean, how, how does that happen for you? And what do you recommend? Well, people who know me know I can be kind of intense. <laughs> um, so we have, you know, we, we, we plan out for three years, uh, you know, more than three, three or four years, sometimes five. But for the most part, I do three. Um, and what happen is, uh, you know, I, what happens is, is every week I look at exactly my plan and I make those adjustments every week on the entire path. So, so let's just let's just make sure Steve understands it because I remember I'm not as quick. So, let's just say your goal was a million dollars, and by milestone June first, I was going to be at twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, milestone June first comes along, you're at fifteen. Does the million change? Uh, or the timeline change in that scenario. So it's going to be it's, so that so I think and that this is brings up a key point because it's your game you get to change the rules whenever okay. you feel like it. Hmm. Okay. So because you know so sometimes I'll have people that will set a goal and then you know maybe they were a little you know a little overzealous and then they just they'll keep that same goal even though it's just every week it's a reminder of how much they're failing yeah it's like a yeah it's un, un yeah it's unattainable and yet you're disappointing yourself every week yeah so i mean you your the the purpose in my mind of a goal 
is not to just have you know something to grade yourself. It's something that should call you powerfully into action. It's something that should inspire you with the motivation to give that extra 10 or 15% this week. So what I'll do is each each week I look at, you know, I'll look at say like, well, how am I on track? Because I actually break it all the way down into, all right, in order to get to, let's say that my, because everybody talk, talks about the million. Let's just say that the goal was a million, right? Mm -hmm. So the goal was a million. Then I'll break it down. So, so this week, in order to hit a million by 2022 or whatever, right? Then this week, I need to call three additional wholesalers. I need to place reorders. I need to um, call at least three companies to work on consulting with brand registry or, or you know, listing enhancement and those kinds of things. And so I'll look and, and see exactly what specific actions are going to cause, are going to be predictive of causing that result. Um, I was having this really great conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about, you know, result producers and what does it take to really become a result producer? And the ironic thing is in order to really produce results consistently, you have to let go of the results as your indicator. So if, and I know that that seems counterintuitive. So it's an so effort issue? Yeah. So it's, 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 instead of focusing on, did I score? Like if let, let's I now I'm probably going to mess this analogy up because I don't really watch football, but football's a great great place to hold to hold analogies because you're you're moving the ball down the line, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, let's say that if I'm a quarterback and if I say you know, well, my goal is to is to score um, two you know two touchdowns. So that's my goal. You can't control. You know, if somebody, if your team member is going to slip, you can't control if, you know, they've, you know, they've brought in a star player on the other team. What you can control is that I'm going to make sure that I move three yards at least or more every play. Right. And if I know that, you know, I've looked at my, you know, my stat, my player stats, and I realize that if I can just move this much. You know, and that's my goal is to just try to produce this one result that I can control. So my, you know, my, um, the thing that I can control is I can control how much I practice and how much I fine tune my skills. I can control, um, you know, how many times I'm going to, how many hours I'm going to come ahead and, you know, focus on, you know, these, these certain kinds of drills that are going to build up this muscle. That, that those actions are going to be predictive and influence the, the, the likelihood of me hitting the the lag goal, like the longer goal of hitting those scores. So if I focus on these actions, it's predictable that I will hit these tangible objective results. Consistently, right? So you hit those consistently. That is that yes. really the key? Okay. So how do you, right? Because that's a lot of words about a very broad subject because that's really, I mean, it really is a big deal. It's probably the biggest deal, right? Uh, of success. How do you break it down so you can manage it? Because it just sounds so unmanageable, especially somebody like you who's got all these multiple pieces in. What tools are you using to handle that? Because that's, you described a lot of pieces. Yeah. So I, we use, for, for task management, we use Asana. We mm. love it. I would just use, you know, we used the free version for years and years. Um, if I wasn't doing the consulting work, we would still be on the free service. There's a couple things that, you know, with the, you know, with, with working with clients um, where we're doing consulting work where it makes sense to have the premium version. So let's break it down. If I wanted, let's say I wanted to be able to bring home $30,000. Um, this year. Know, That's a good, easy number. Yeah. Right. 30000 this year just from wholesale. So what I would say is, so first I have to get some data. So I would say, all right, I'm going to call a hundred. And this is what we recommend in our course too, that you start by calling a hundred companies that you've, so first we're going to go through this vetting process. And then we're going to call a hundred of these companies that we've identified as having potential for profit. Once I do that, now I have numbers and I can say out of those hundred people, I ended up getting price lists from 20 and I ended up getting you know, accounts with five or, you know, accounts that I ordered from, I ordered five. And then the ones that I reordered every month for at least a thousand dollars, I'm, I'm, I have two of those, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if I'm at a hundred percent ROI, then that means I need to be spending 30,000. So that means, you know, spending 30,000. Now that's a hundred percent ROI is very difficult in wholesale. These are just, I'm making the numbers 
easy for math, mm -hmm. right? So that means that, you know, I would need, I would need to have 30 companies that I was ordering at least $1,000 a month from, right? So I would know that if I take out and I say, well, okay, so if, out of 100 calls that I made, then I may, I got, I got two that were ended up being ones that I could reorder over and over again. That means for every 50 calls about, and my average is going to get better over time because I'm going to have more experience. For every 50 calls I make, then I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get two people, or I'm going to get one good wholesaler that I can order from, go back to the well over and over again. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I'm going to multiply 50 times 30. So because it's 50 calls for one person, one good account, and I'm going to multiply that by 30, which is how much I would need in order to profit. And then I, So that ends up being 1,500 phone calls. Now that's a lot of phone calls. So then I'm going to take a Xanax. I'm going to feel a little better, right? Because, you know, first you see that big number, but remember that's over, a, that's, you know, over time, right? And I'm going to, so and then I'm going to round it up a little bit, you know, that there's no, for the analytical people, I'm sorry, I don't have like a, you know, I multiply by 2.679%. Um, I just kind of round it up to the, I would just round it up to the best number. So I just look at, you know, I would look at that and say, okay, so if I can get to 2,000 calls, then that would be where I need to go. So my A year, goal, basically. Yeah, 2,000 calls a year. So that's 166 calls per month, which means I need to make about, you know, 45 calls a week because, you know, that gives me a little, if I'm at a round, I'm at a round up, which means, you know, for, so 45 divided by seven, you know, or let's just say you're only going to call three days a week. That means that I need to have three days a week where I make 15 calls to just get a price list. Those calls take less than 10 minutes. So that is, I need to set aside three to four hours for three days a week in order to hit my goal of netting 30,000. And so that means that, you know, my specific measurable actions that I would be focusing on were making the calls and then the things that are going to help make that call successful. So I'm going to make those 15 calls three times a week. And I'm also going to spend an additional two hours, you know, reading and learning and, and, and trying to educate myself so that I have more to say to these brands. And then I'm also going to spend and I'm going to schedule out the rest of my time in my business so that I have, you know, so I can focus. Because I think one of the big problems when people try to move from retail arbitrage or online arbitrage to wholesale is they just try to add it into their schedule. You're never you don't have an additional, you know. 15 hours to 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 start a new sourcing method there's probably not that in your schedule now so you're going to need to streamline and outsource a couple pieces of your process so that you can make time that so that you you can consistently hit these goals and that's going to mean that for about four to six weeks you're going to feel like you're running double time but after that you're going to start to see the results the 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 reason I think most people fail at wholesale is it's kind of like the world's longest, most tempting bag of microwave popcorn. You, you have it in the microwave, you see the light is on, but it doesn't look like anything is happening. And so, you know, you get impatient and then we open the door to check on it. And every time you open the door, you release all that heat pressure and you kind of have to start over again. So in order to be successful in wholesale, you have to build up that self-discipline to be able to see that goal through and say, you know, before I decide whether wholesale is going to work for me or not, I'm going to commit to making at least 250 calls of qualified leads. You know, so, you know, there's different programs that look at how to qualify those leads differently. We prioritize, you know, potential for profit, sales rank and, you know, sales rank in combination with the number of um, a number of other sellers um, and a couple of other criteria. So we look at, you know, so we try to make it so you're calling the peop the companies that do have a potential for you to be profitable because a lot of times people will go straight to making calls uh, on the companies that they've been doing retail arbitrage and they find that they could get it cheaper in the stores than they could wholesale and so that can be really discouraging mm -hmm. and so they just walk away right that well it just can't work I can't I can't make any money Robin yeah but the money uh, at least my personal experience is the stuff that we sell wholesale is not in the stores generally it's just it's unusual, or if it's there, it's in such a small presence um, and 
quite frankly, the only way you can get it is online, which is kind of an advantage. Yeah, you know, a lot of people um, have been curious, you know, because, you know, our method has always been, you know, while everybody else is fighting over the top three to five percent in items that are ranked on Amazon in that category, we really focus on five, usually 10 to 15 percent of a category. So we look for brands that are not selling, they're selling on Amazon, there's a demand, there's search volume for that brand or for that item, but either maybe the listing isn't great or maybe it's very niche item. Um, and so we're able to hold on to them for years instead of months because once we find them, we can help grow that brand, we can help them install map pricing, we can help them manage their growth on Amazon. And then the other thing that we can do is, you know, we can spread out our purchases among different categories, among different brands. So all our eggs aren't in one basket. So, you know, it, and while everybody else is fighting for these top three to 5%, I've seen people at trade shows, I've seen somebody that I knew go up to a trade, a booth that I was one of our key accounts and I kind of freaked out for a second. Um, he took the price list. I saw him look up the stuff on his phone and uh, he crumpled up the price list and threw it away. And I was like, oh, phew, my system works, mm. you know, because for him, the rank was all, all this was trash. Um, you know, and, the, and it's not to say that his method doesn't work. So my, I've taught my stepmom how to sell on Amazon, but she's very much all about the, you know, quick turn, low rank. You know, she has access to a ton of capital. So she's fine cycling through things with a low ROI because, you know, she, you know, she has a system and that's how she likes to run her business. So when we go to trade shows, we actually will trade our trash and we both have made purchases off of the other one's trash. That's hilarious. Because you're looking at it from, I was thinking about earlier when you were talking, there's a lot of perspective that you have to have in this business, right? I mean, where you are is not where I am. And that's the best part, or using your stepmom and you, a perfect example. It really is perspective, right? It is. And, you know, like in the beginning, I wanted, you know, I wanted to, you know, take over the world and you're not like in the teaching space. I just, I just wanted my Amazon business to grow. And I wanted, you know, my dad to be proud of me. And I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to, to do all these things. And I think that as I've grown as a, as a CEO and as a, a business owner, and just as a person, I've started to realize, you know what, it doesn't, matter if I'm not doing the coolest method. It doesn't matter whether or not somebody likes me. What matters is, is, you know, what is what I'm doing working? And, you know, one of my, one of my mentors, her dad, Sharon Lecter, she, she uh, co-wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, her dad, every night as she went to, be to bed, would ask her, um, did you bring value to the world today? And that has, you know, that really stuck with me. You know, I want every day where I can go to bed and I can say I, I brought value to the world today. Whether it's, you know, I helped a manufacturer help fix a problem, or I helped a reseller, or you know, I, just by selling products myself on Amazon with the, you know, with the the charities we're able to do things things with, and also the the brands that we're you know providing sales and distribution for that we're able to provide value in the world every day. I know, you know that sounds super cheesy. No, no, I get it. I mean, what's the purpose, right? It's not only to make money. They're not going to fill your coffin full of money, right? That's the reality. Um, that's a real world. And if you can help lives while you're here, that's a much better legacy than, you know, some library with your name on it. How about this? I was thinking about brands. You've really taken on the role of really educating people on how to talk to a brand, that's definitely different than what it, what you were teaching a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm actually speaking at the specialty toy uh, uh, specialty toy association Astro Show in New Orleans, and I'm going to be talking specifically to manufacturers. And um, one of my slides basically says, you know, am I a trader? Because I'm talking to manufacturers about things that they need to know, and I am fully going to admit in that in that presentation that I used to come in to shows like Astra and I would, I was, I was looking for a cash grab. I was looking for what could I profit off of? And I wasn't thinking about anything else. And that used to work really, really well. Um, but you know, as Amazon is growing as a marketplace and um, as it's, 
the way that Amazon is being perceived by brands is constantly changing. You know, one of the things that I've seen that has really increased our ability to, you know, have a profitable business, have that sustainable um, and that sustainable business that I really wanted for so long was the ability to bring value to the brands in addition to just being a customer. It separates me from everybody else. When everybody else says, this is, you know, I want to place an order, I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I come up with a printed sheet of here's the listing enhancements I'm going to make. Here's your, an FCC Ooh. violation that you have. You know, did you know that this, this item has a picture with cat poop in it? We can, I'm going to change that tonight. I just wanted to let you know I was going to be changing that. Whether you say yes or no to me, I'm going to fix it. That's value added, right? So th there's a perfect example. What's in it for me, for them, right? That with them, right? That's a big, big deal. So what I love what you just said, there's a big pro tip here. You actually make the point, hey, I don't want to pat on the back. I'm just letting you know I'm going to fix this for you without an expectation. Fair? Yeah. Now, and, you know, do you tend to benefit? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, th so this is this is what this is the the common complaint. Well, why would I fix the listing if it's going to help my competitors? Mm. And if they're not going to sell to me, why would I fix the listing? Well, I'm not going to fix 300 listings if they don't sell to me, right? Because that would be silly. But I can fix something that's egregious. Here's some of the things that have happened from that. So we've had companies that have um, have told me no for years, years. I switched to this and we were able to work out an agreement with them. Um, and then we have other companies that maybe they have an in-house person. They have an in-house Amazon specialist, which is becoming a thing, by the way, um, you know, that people are getting jobs providing in-house solutions for managing Amazon. Um, but, you know, maybe they have an in-house person, but if, you know, without making, putting that person down, if I can say, you know, let's, let me fix this for you. I think that, you know, this just got missed. Then uh, we, we've had brands say, well, you know, we have an in-house person. We, you know, we're, we're only selling direct, but I'd like you to meet my friend, Joe. Joe is a newer brand. Um, but he, you know, if, if you can, if you can help Joe out, you know, we would like to talk to you again. Hmm. Because you know? some of the advice, too, with that brand that's selling themselves is, you know, hey, let me buy you some insurance, sell to me also, and let me be your partner on that buy box. Uh, because that way, uh, if you, you know, their account, because their accounts do get shut down. It's funny, people don't realize that brands, I mean, if you talk with them, they'll tell you the problems that they have. They have similar problems to what we have, right? There's just, they get caught in those crosshairs, as you described it. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, and their brand can get taken down. If they only have one account selling that brand, that whole brand is shut down, right? When their account gets closed. So if they do have another seller on that, there's value in that. There is. And, you know, a lot of times maybe they're sell you know, there's there's also the price parity concerns where, you know, it says on Amazon's terms of service, you're not going to sell this product lower than um, any other website. But one of the things I'm just going to give out a freebie is, you know, that we tell brands the reason why third party sellers are so valuable is if you just take your 1999 product and you put it on Amazon for 1999. There are some Amazon customers that if it's not on Amazon, it's, they're not going to buy it. It just doesn't exist for them. So you want it to be on Amazon to capture those sales. However, there are some people that are price sensitive that will go and Google the, the brand to see if they can get it cheaper. So, but you can't have it cheaper if you're selling it directly. So what happens with companies that are selling directly and keeping that price parity is their Amazon sales start to cannibalize their website sales. And those website sales have a much higher margin for the brand. So it really can end up crippling them. That's why some of them have such an aversion to selling on Amazon. And they'll say, oh, we tried it and it was a horrible experience. Now, that, that it might be the, you know, they, had, they had problems shipping or getting approved for their own brand or all of those other things. But it might be that they just saw that it hurt their bottom line. So what, by having it sold by a third-party seller, then you know we we can you know we can sell that item at the price point that we choose, um, and they can choose the price that they choose on their website, and they can do that so that they can make sure that their Amazon sales are not cannibalizing those consumers that already have an affinity towards their brand. Is it done through Map? Is that is that where you're kind of secretly alluding to? Yes, so it would be, you know, you know, they would have a map policy that you can't price it lower than the MSRP, 
right? And then so they would be keeping their item, you know, and then they would have the option to discount their product below the MSRP for their website because, you know, and so it, it gives them, a, it gives them mm. that ability, right? Right, right. I like it. I like it. And that's a different conversation. Now, when you're having those kind of conversations, especially when you can draw from experience to say, hey, here's what happened when company XYZ did this, and we were able to help them. Do you actually give out references now, uh, because you've been doing this for so long, and say, hey, you know, Steve, I see, you know, you want to find out more about my business. Well, uh, this CEO, we work with this company, this company, and this company. Here are some references. You know, it depends on the brand. We have some brands that are okay. You know, you know, we, we, we will provide references upon request, um, but there there we have you know, some. You know, there's some brands that have some pretty specific language in their non-disclosures, uh, okay. and we try to err on the side of conscious. So we don't put like you know the, this company and this company and this company were our clients, and you know sometimes clients will bring us in just for uh, a short period of time. So, you know, like Kindermat brought us in and we worked on their account just in, you know, they have, they have an in-house e-commerce person. So what we did with them is we helped them set up a strategy. We helped them uh, clean up the listings. There were a lot of duplicate listings. There were some variations that need to be made. And so we walked them through that piece. Now, um, there are other clients that, you know, we can't disclose because we have signed uh, a non-disclosure, and we, we want to respect that non-disclosure. Well, let me ask you this, because I think this is a, is a good place to go. Um, you have a very specific set of skills, right? I think of that uh, Taken movie. Uh, you've developed a very specific set of skills, Robin, and you know how to use them. Is that That's the pitch that you make to a company that, hey, you know, you don't want us to sell your product, fine, but let us help you. Do you find, and this is one you might not want to answer, the margins on that consulting work you got to sell a heck of a lot of kinder mats, and I'm just using them as an example because you said them. You have to sell a heck of a lot of kinder mats to make that same amount of net profit, and this is a much safer, scalable, because uh, of time suck, uh, way of doing business when it makes sense. I'm not saying to do that every time, but is that has that been your experience, or what would you say? So, you know, there are times when wholesale straight wholesale is our preferred method and that's going to be on established brands uh you know that are in like a certain criteria there are other brands that you know that it, it wouldn't make sense for us to sell them wholesale there's not enough margin oh. for everybody to take their cuts right so what we can do is we you know when we're, we teach this brand consulting we we show you how to build out these contracts right and so for most of our clients that are in consulting some of them are flat fees because we're coming in basically just to enhance the listings, you know, get their PPC optimized, and then they'll either go on maintenance or they'll their in-house will take it. Um, but you know, if we're doing ongoing consulting, then what we'll do, and we're selling them, you know, we basically are selling on consignment. So we either can sell it through our one of our accounts or through their account, and we would take a percentage of gross sales. Mm -hmm. So you know, we have you know accounts that range anywhere from you know 10 to 25 percent of gross sales. So a, you know, a brand new company. So if, I don't know if anybody watches Superstore, but you know, if that boob cheese guy came to me, obviously I wouldn't take it. Um, but somebody comes to me with a with a new product, right? Um, and they're they're not known, and I need to take 25% of gross sales before Amazon fees. Now this isn't in perpetuity. This is while we're working together. Um, and you know, be in order to make sure because they're not going to have you know 12 million in gross sales a year. So in order for me to make that same amount. Uh, you know, to cover our labor costs effectively, then I need to charge a higher percentage. Now, if I'm going to take, you know, we, we've talked with a couple of uh, Fortune 500 companies and, you know, th those ones we've been, you know, we, we would be willing to go down to, you know, maybe eight or seven percent depending on volume. So this is really a totally different way of thinking for people. If they're sitting here with their minds blown, they're saying, whoa, 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 what is she saying? I don't have to go and scan NCAPs at Target only to make money. And she's not saying you can't do that. That's, that's a viable way to make some money. But if you're looking to build out this business, there are more than one way uh, to, there's way more than one way to approach this. What you described, the way you just described that was perfect. There's not enough margin in there for you to long-term sell their product. However, there is 
some money to be earned by helping them enhance their position. And that's a win because, at least in my experience, those CEOs tend to be CEOs again and bring new products to market. And my bet, you're going to tell me that you've had repeat customers come back and say, hey, guess where I'm at now, Robin? We're doing it again. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we have companies that are launching additional product lines or additional brands. A lot of entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs, you know, so we have that. And the other thing, you know, you think about it, all of us resellers, we get together at a conference or we get together at ESD and we go hang out together. Manufacturers are doing that too. Mm -hmm. They're hanging out together at different places. So, um, you know, it the, the 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 beauty of this of this kind of model is if you're willing to invest in the skills. Now, you have to be self-aware enough to say, you know, am I somebody that can you know manage a project? Am I somebody that can manage customer service and it can be frustrating sometimes, you know, because they're they're coming from a different knowledge base. You know, and, and do I have the skill set to be able to handle the analytics or manage, hire and manage somebody who can handle the, man, uh, the analytics of this business? But what it can provide you is the ability to scale when you might not have access to, you know, the half a million dollars that other people are having access to that are building these giant wholesale empires. Hmm. Oh, Robin, you are good. Okay, so... You do teach this stuff, and um, you are having a class in June 14th and 15th. Is this the type of stuff that gets addressed in that kind of that kind of environment? Yeah, this is not a beginner class. Now, so, I mean, this is not Amazon 101. So we're going to be talking about, like, some of the special programs. The first thing we start off, the special programs that you need to know, um, you know, about subscribe and save, about enhanced brand content, about early review um, process, about Vendor Central and basics about Vendor Central, how Vendor Central works, um, and how the advertising system on Vendor Central works. And then, you know, the second day we're going to really be talking about listing creation, Amazon search engine optimization, um, the strategies, how, how a process, you know, I, I think it's a six-step process of how to really do PPC um, and walking through that piece. So, you know, in that time, we actually you know, give you some things to work on, you know, so you're going to bring a listing um, and you have to we'll actually have, you know, like during lunch and stuff, you can actually work on enhancing that listing and then let us know if you run into problems and we can help you work through those. And so, again, this is really not a beginner course, and this is for somebody who's looking to get into this as as a side hustle to their side hustle, uh, in essence, or I guess if they have their own brands, they, you're going to win. But this, you really have to have a good set of skills that this would work with, right? So if you're not a people person, it's tough for you to sell this service. However, that doesn't mean you can't be a technical person behind the scenes. Fair? Yeah. So you could, I mean, you could hire a salesperson. A right. salesperson right. can sell any product. Right. So, you know, you have, would have to have enough capital to, you know, pay for a sales agent. Um, but, you know, what, so like with, with this, you know, like people will say, well, how do I know if I'm, you know, if I'm good and if I have enough skills? And I usually tell them, you know, you need to be able to know how to judge Amazon products, how to look at profitability on Amazon products. So you need to know like how to look at ROI. Um, and then, you know, you need to have sent in your own shipments um, and those kinds of things. So you need to have had sales already. So we're not going over like this is how, you know, this is how to set up an automatic campaign. Any, anybody can do that. So we're, we're going to, we'll give you some, you know, stuff that you can watch before the, the uh, event as well. But what it's going to do is it's going to give you those advanced pieces that, because one of the things, the reasons why we wanted to do this is we had a lot of people who said, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the best wholesale. So how can I tell somebody that I would be, you know, I would be the right person to make those wholesale deals with. So whether somebody's doing wholesale brand management or they're going to develop their own brand, during these two days, we're going to be going through a lot of content, um, and then there's actually an opportunity to become certified, to become brand certified, where we actually will give you a certification that you can put in on your LinkedIn, that you can put in on your website that says you are certified, not by Amazon, but you are certified in Marketplace Mastery. Mm. And so this is something that I hopefully a whole bunch of people are saying, ooh, this is definitely something that interests me. And what, what the coolest part is there are people, this is their lane. This is the piece they love. They just thrive on it. And to me, that's very exciting that they could break out and really just expand on that piece because that's their love. 
and make a very comfortable living. Yeah, you know, and it's it, it is it's a real. I've I've got to tell you, it's been so much fun getting to work with these brands to get to see the excitement in their face. You know, when they see that that product that they've invested everything in really shine the way that they thought it would, that they were so disappointed that it wasn't going the way that they wanted it to, and to being able to kind of be a part of that story and the things that they're doing and the people that they're hiring. And, um, it's, it's been really, really awesome. And, you know, there's, you know, somebody asked me that, like, well, does that mean you think art retail arbitrage is bad now? And no, I think that, you know, we still recommend used books as a great place to get started. And some people should stay there, um, because, you know, they, they really love that. Um, and retail arbitrage and online arbitrage, they're not going away. You know, they're going to be around in some way or form, and there's still going to be a lot of people making a lot of money off that for a long time. It's just knowing your skill set, knowing yeah. what you like, and really leaning into those strengths for your business. Know your strengths. Oh, so, so, so current today because not everybody's meant to be the CEO. I always, Gary V always says this, the number seven guy at Google made a lot of, now he says a little more colorful than I would, but he uh, made a lot of money. You know, and they were probably pretty good at number seven. That's a cool place to be. So, okay. So the event is June 14th and 15th, and it's in Tennessee. Um, best way for somebody, if they're interested in this program, how would they get to it? So if you want, are interested in the program, you can go to Best from the Nest, like Best in Show, and then Nest like a bird's nest. So Best from the Nest forward slash TN for Tennessee, because it's in Memphis, Tennessee. So bestfromthenest.com forward slash TN? Yep. TN for Tennessee. And then that would be the way you can sign up or at least get more information about it. Um, okay. So I want to close out. Um, I did take a lot of words from you. I'm sorry about that. It is, but it's, uh, you don't get a chance to talk to Robin very often. So guess what? I'm taking it all. Um, how do we get people to just move forward? I love the advice of knowing yourself and really I guess it's really being honest with yourself and not seeing yourself as a failure. If this, if, by the way, if this is your role, you go and take this and you excel at this, you didn't fail at scanning end caps at Target or Walmart. You succeeded at this. Um, one doesn't have to be at the cost of the other. And I think that's really important for people to realize. Figure out what you love and what you're good at. And man, just go all in on that. The rest, you just decide, hey, I want to walk away from it. Um, I'm sure there are many accounts that you've walked away from. That's not failing. That's just, that's logical. So how do we get people to know themselves? How do we get people to get past that point of stuck? Because they see all the things that Robin's doing, they're like, oh my God, I'm measuring myself against that, as opposed to looking inward. You know, if we're really honest with ourselves, like that kind of honest that makes people a little uncomfortable, for the most part, we live most of our life trying to do two things trying to look good to other people and to try avoid looking bad to other people. We go to schools that we don't like, we we get jobs that we hate, we you know, we buy cars we can't afford, whatever we do, we do it because we don't want, you know, people to look down upon us or to feel sorry for us or we don't want that person who th always thought we were a failure to be right. And it sounds like that wouldn't be that bad, but it ends up destroying any creativity it destroys your ability to really perform to really do the impossible because you get trapped from this huge expansive playground of all the things that you could do into this little tiny box of what you think is safe to do and that fear of failure that fear of you know if I go if I quit my job and I end up having to go back everybody will know that I'm a failure and so we don't take the big swings in life because we're afraid we could strike out you know, and this is not like something that, well, I've conquered it. And so now I'm not dealing with it anymore. I still constantly am afraid of failure, but, and I'm still, you know, I'll do something. I'll be like, oh man, that guy probably thinks I'm a moron. Why would I say that? That was so dumb. And, you know, I have to keep reminding that voice in my head, that voice. And if you're saying what voice it's the voice that just said, what voice mm -hmm. that voice is not a cheerleader for your life. And so if you can just start to tell that voice, you know, it's, it's time to stop sharing, you know, it's time, thank you, but be quiet. 
and I'm going to focus on what I'm going to do. Because I think it's the most people don't stop because they don't know what to do. They know what to do. You know, people know that in order to lose weight, I need to eat less and move more, right? But there's something stopping me from doing that, right? So there is, it's, it's confronting those fears or whatever blind spots that you have. And that fear of failure is, you know, I got bad news is not going away. So, I mean, I was, this was, I think a couple, this was a couple of years ago. I was on the phone with Sharon, my mentor, and um, I, I was doing the ugly cry, you know, the, <laughs> and I was like, when does it just stop being so scary? I'm just so afraid, you know, that I'm going to fail and I'm going to end up with all of this time that I took away from my kids and, you know, the money that we, you know, we've have invested. What if, what if it all was for nothing and we completely fail and like we end up in a van down by the river and, you know, and Sharon kind of laughed and she said, you know, you, you never stop being scared. The fear never goes away, but you have to know that even if the worst was to happen, you're never starting over. She asked me, who built what you have now? I said, well, I, well, I built it, and Nate built it, and we, we built it together. And she said, right. And do you think you're smarter now, or were you smarter before you started? I'm like, well, clearly I'm started, smarter now. And she said, so you have more skills, more knowledge than you did, and you built this. So if you had to start over, it might be different, it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable. But you're never starting over. You know, and I think that once I started to grieve that there wasn't going to be a day where everything was going to be just fine, I could start to face the reality of that I'm going to fail more than I succeed. I try new things all the time. I'll try this new program or I'll try, you know, well, what if I did this or what if I did that? And, you know, people from the outside at a conference, they see the four or five wins, they don't see the 100 things that I messed up on. <laughs> you know, if you have this pedestal version of me, I, I bad news, it's not real. Now, I mean, I'm real and our business is real, but I still, you know, I still face those fears and well, what if this doesn't work? And, you know, all of those things. Now I'm getting more confident as I go along, but it's something that takes time. And so, you know, if you know what the next step is in your business, you you know what the next thing is to do. You know where you need to be heading, but you've been afraid to get your, your financial books in order because you were afraid of what they were going to say, or you were afraid to hire that person because you're worried that you won't be able to do what you think you will, or you haven't called those wholesalers because you're afraid of making an idiot, a fool out of yourself, then Make, you know, make a commitment to failure. Make a commitment to I'm going to try to fail some more in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to fall down. I'm going to allow myself to put myself in situations where I could fall down so that I know that when I get up, I'm going to be a little further along. <laughs> and I think that that's really, really hard. And it's really easy for me to say on a podcast. It's much harder to do. Um, but it's for most, most, most people that I talk to, most of the people in our industry are very smart are really amazing people. And if you're listening, I'm talking about you. And, you know, you just need to be able to embrace those strengths. And you, if you don't know where you're strong, ask other people what their, what their strengths are for you. Go take a test like DISC or Colby. It's Colby with a K. Um, or, you know, uh, an, the, one of those other personality tests. Those are two great ones, DISC and Colby. Um, and lean into those strengths and hire out your weaknesses. So, you know, for most people, it's not that they don't know what to do. It's that they're looking for a safe path and there isn't one. Robin Johnson. Oh, man, you should be preaching. You really should be up on the pedestal up there preaching, 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 because what you're saying is so true. All right. So if somebody wants to find out more, first off, Robin has a podcast. What's your podcast? So my podcast is called The Unstoppable Academy. Oh. If you guys might have known that I had a podcast called The Unstoppable Entrepreneur, and that one has that season has since been retired, um, but we're going to be launching a new podcast in the next couple of weeks that is going to be called Unstoppable Academy Season One, and we hope that you'll come and join us there. 
Love it. I will be there. Absolutely. If somebody wants to find out more, and, and here's the deal. I always tell people, they're always like, who should I go to for coaching? Or who do you, I'm always like, who do you connect with? Now, if you didn't just listen for the last hour and connect with Robin, A, you don't have a pulse. But to me, that that type of passion is real. Now, we've known each other three plus years. We have already heard that. And for three plus years, um, the consistency and the delivery, that to me is, I watch people over time. Um, and it's so, oh, you're so good at it. And it's real. And so if you want to connect with Robin, what's the best way they can get in touch with you, Robin? So if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at excellence at bestfromthenest.com. Um, and, you know, in this in the subject, put, you know, uh, from Stephen's podcast. And this way I know that, you know, have those emails come to me directly. And uh, the other way is you can find out more about us on our website at bestfromthenest.com. Um, and then I'm on Facebook. Um, we I'm all over Facebook um, and other social medias like LinkedIn and Instagram and things like that. Um, feel free to reach out. And if you reach out and you don't get a response, keep reaching out because I get a lot of notifications. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a flawed human and I miss things and I make mistakes. So um, feel free to reach out multiple times if, if, uh, if you're trying to get a hold of me because I love – I love getting to work with other sellers. I love getting to participate and get to, um, you know, it's just what I do is so much fun. Like I love the selling part, but I mean, I really love getting to work with other entrepreneurs. Like if I didn't have to, time and money wasn't a consideration for me, which is one of the big questions we ask with when people who come to do VIP days is, you know, if time and money wasn't a consideration, what would you do with your life? I would be working with other entrepreneurs. I just, it's like everything. And there's no doubt in my mind. Thank you so much. Take care. Man, oh man, we went deep. There was some deep uh, conversation there. That uh, strategy she's talking about, I mean, it really it really goes uh, far and wide. But, you know, the way she was able to bring it together with the Asana discussion, I think is very powerful. After the call, we talked about that because I definitely could use help with that stuff. And um, of course, she offered to send me some templates to help me with Asana. She's that way, you know. And so when you meet somebody real, and I, I picture stuff, I'm not benefiting from this other than you having success with her. And I tell people all the time, if you find somebody you can fit with, so if that whole conversation if you heard anything in there that you connected with man go give her some business because she will deliver and again i've talked to people um that just say robin delivers results um and really helps uh, or have helped move their business forward ecommercemomentum.com ecommercemomentum.com take care Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.